This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Tackling Life Podcast with the great Ray Lewis and me, Dr. Christian Conti. It's a success podcast that tackles life through the lessons of sports. Ray, what's up? Doc, how you doing today, man? Good to hear your voice. Thank you, Doc. It's always a good day when I hear your voice. I feel the same way. <laughs> I feel the same way. It's a beautiful day, man. It's an absolutely beautiful day. Look, I'm excited for for our guests. I'm excited for us. We get to, to our, our guest today. Um, she has published. Listen to this: 134 titles since 2008. Like that's that's even hard to even imagine. Most people don't even read that much, and yet she's published 134 titles t- since 2008. And her latest book is called Simply Happy. So we are just genuinely honored to have Amy Newmark, who is an author, publisher, and editor in chief of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series. To uh, so welcome Amy. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to talk to you guys. I've had each of you on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast, so I'm really happy to be coming now on your podcast. I remember talking to you, Amy. It's good to hear your voice again. <laughs> yeah, oh, you were wrong, too. You were <laughs> almost right, but you were wrong. I remember you gave me your Super Bowl pick. You were right until a minute, until, you know, you were right all, it's like jumping off a building and being fine until the last floor. You know, you, yeah, you were right. You were right until the very, 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 very end. <laughs> oh man, that's what it's like Atlanta too, jumping off a building for losing it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about your nephew Ray. I was feeling bad for him, even though I do live in New England. I live in Connecticut, so you know who I was rooting for. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I always say all I can do from this point is pick it now. I can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I want to I want to kind of jump into like, <clears throat> you know, for people can understand what was your what was your inspiration to to start writing? And, 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 and you know, when your movement started years ago, what inspired you to start to do that, Amy? So here's the weird thing. I did not start Chicken Soup for the Soul because it was started in 1993 by Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen, and I came in as publisher in 2008. But the weird thing is that their formula, which was collecting stories from regular people and then compiling them into inspirational books, it wasn't until I sat down to write my 
bio for my new job as publisher of Chicken Soup for the Soul that I realized that I had actually done the exact same thing before, way earlier in my life, because when I was in college and I majored in Portuguese and I studied a form of popular literature in Brazil, I lived in Brazil, traveled around the most poverty-stricken part of Brazil and collected stories from regular people and then compiled them into my thesis. And so I then I spent like three decades in business and in technology and on Wall Street. And I said, oh, my God, I turned 50. I became publisher of Chicken Soup for the Soul. And I went back to what I did when I was 20, which was collecting stories from regular people. Wow. So, yeah, life comes around. Wow, obrigado. It's yeah, obrigado. Obrigado. <laughs> Doc, Doc, if you don't know that sports, you, that's, you left. Yeah, you, you lost me there. We said, we said thank was, you to I each other. Was, for, we said thank you. We said thank for you. For no reason. We said, we said thank you to each other. <laughs> I thought it was like a secret connection or something. I didn't know. If I, <laughs> no, and Ray said obrigado, ending with an O, because he's a guy. And I said right. obrigada, ending with an A, because I'm a girl. So there that's you how go, it works. God. Yeah. You learned a little I'm learning. Today. I'm learning. I learn every minute, man. I love it. <laughs> well, it's interesting because you what you did for that thesis and what you do now with collecting people's stories is something I identify with because I've spent a career listening to people's stories as a psychotherapist. So it's it's uh, you know, it's a very powerful endeavor to be locked into people's stories and genuinely listen to them. It's a really I mean, it's a moving aspect to our lives. You know what's amazing about it is that I have become so much better at giving advice since I've become exposed to tens of thousands of, you know, deeply personal stories from people. Not that I wasn't giving advice before as well, but now I'm actually giving advice informed by having read tens of thousands of what you would call case studies, right? I, I think I think yes. it's a lot of it. it's the same training you get as a as a therapist. It's learning what, how people work from hearing their stories. And I feel much more qualified now to give my kids all that unwanted advice, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> and now they actually say that my advice is pretty good. Nice. You know, it's, it, it's really funny because I was having this conversation last night, Amy, with a friend, and we was talking about exactly what you just expressed, right, on how now you feel more comfortable doing it. <clears throat> because I think now you've finally realized that you're meeting people like exactly where they are, right, <clears throat> instead of like speaking over their heads. And, and so when you, when you do that, it's one thing about, you know, when I go out and speak to so many people, the first thing I start to understand is the more you live with them, the more you understand where they're coming from, then you'll be able to relate to them in a way that a lot of people won't be able to relate to them. But you will be able to relate to them because you understand exactly where they are, not telling them to come where I am. You're saying, I know exactly where you are, and that's exactly where I'm going to help you at. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I think also you become you definitely become more understanding. You definitely know how to speak to them. You mm -hmm. also become way less judgmental. Mm -hmm. And you know what else has happened to me as a result of, it's been nine years now that I've been exposed to, you know, tens of thousands of stories. I'm so much more impressed with people and so much more aware of how many amazing people are out there and also really aware that we all have that capacity within us to rise to these challenges because 
everybody who writes stories for us, they've done some amazing thing. They all say, well, I didn't know I could do it until I had to do it. So it's made me way more confident that we all already have within us the tools that we need to be like our own life mechanics. I genuinely believe that. And I love what you said about being less judgmental because, you know, I talked to you about my yield theory before uh, on when I came on your podcast, the idea of really getting into people's worlds. And when you live and you see the world literally as other people see it, you, your judgment has to fall away. Judgment has to fall to the wayside. And it's interesting because when you hear enough stories, and if you remember Malcolm Gladwell's The Tipping Point, there's a, there's a point in time when you have enough information that takes you to the next level. And when I, my experience is when you hear enough stories from people, you can begin to generalize and understand that there is depth to everyone even if what they're presenting is, is surface or shallow or mean or out of hurt, there's depth to everyone. Yeah, and there's good in almost everyone. And I'm sure, of course, you see that going into the prisons. A lot of these people are awfully nice people who just made really dumb decisions and got into these holes and didn't know how to get out and would love to get out. And you definitely become less judgmental and way more sympathetic. I think that being exposed to all of these stories has just made me more and more open-minded, forgiving, aware that everybody has good. I think I relate to people differently. Like I smile at everybody and I just look at everybody as, well, that's probably a good person. You know, I just assume everybody's a good person. Because of being exposed to all of these stories, it's definitely made me a better person. I'm, I imagine that you have probably decided i mean do you you think you're a better person just because you've been exposed to so many people i I, far and away i mean i know that it's changed my life to be a part of the stories that i've been thousands of people from all over the world i've sat with listened to their stories in depth Uh, there's no way i don't think it cannot move a person but it's definitely shaped my life yeah on an everyday on an everyday basis well i think one of the one of the biggest reasons why you know you got to think about this right And so the moment you dive into someone else's situation or someone else's thought process, right, and you're where you are in life and you meet them exactly where they are. But what you understand is that they have situations that a lot of them will never come out of. Right? It's, it's, it's just what it is. And, and so when you start to see that and when you start to realize that, wait a minute, this fight for them, this is a lifetime fight for them. You know, a lot of us can pick up and and, 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 and and Amy and Doc, we can get up, man, and we can move our lives and we can change situations and we can change neighborhoods. But a lot of people, they don't have that option. And so and so that's why I think my whole mentality of how I speak to people and and, 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 and Amy, I'm telling you, I'm with you when you say I smile at everybody. Like everybody, even if you don't smile back at me, I'm smiling at you. I'm speaking to everybody because I'm like, I'm not going to look at nobody no differently like that. Like I'm no better than nobody else because you never know where someone is going home to or what they're coming from. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. And doesn't it make you so much more grateful? And that's one of the things I talk about in my Simply Happy book. I say that one of the key tools that you have to use is your gratitude because there's no way you can be happy if you don't know how to count your blessings and be appreciative for what you have and who you have in your life. Mm. 100%. 100%. Let's jump into that. Let's jump. You want to take a break, Doc, or or, or are we good? Let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to jump right into that. 
So we'll be right back after this. Stay tuned. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. All right, we're back, and we are starting to talk about gratitude. We're here, of course, with Amy Newmark, author, editor-in-chief of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Her new book, Simply Happy, is out. And, Ray, right before the break, we, we, we say, let's get into it. Let's talk about that. Go ahead. Should yeah, we because start I'm, with I'm, listen, I'm, I'm excited, Amy. So, so what I did was, you know, I, I love doing this type of stuff. I went through, like, most of your topics and most of your, you know, a lot of stuff you've done. And I just wanted to read up on, you know, to see, you know, exactly, like, where you were trying to take people. And it's just a, free, it's a few topics that I would love to jump in with you, like, using gratitude to change your relationships. I, I, I really want to jump into that because I think people, if 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 we ever understand like 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 how far gratitude really goes with someone, and 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 if you use it right, what happens in your relationships it, is it starts to clear your head and open up everything. But I would love to hear from you, Amy. Like when you started to write that, where where were you thinking to try to get people to understand? So it it seems like scientific studies have definitely proven that people who practice, who's, practice gratitude in their daily lives are happier, healthier, more successful. They have better relationships. They do better at work, in their families, in, their, in, in, you know, in every aspect of their lives. But the interesting thing, and I've talked to Deborah Norville about this a lot too because she and I made a book about gratitude together. About half of us naturally know how to incorporate gratitude into our lives and half of us are not born that way. So I was born that way. I was lucky. Like I, I mean, I have claustrophobia, so I was born with something that was bad, but I was also born with something good, which is a natural ability to see the silver lining, to count my blessings, to always look for the good side of things. But the cool thing is that gratitude is one of the traits that you can actually add on, which is terrific, that you can add on something that's this important. And so we have published hundreds of stories in many, many books about people who realized that they weren't grateful, that they were sour pusses, that they were always looking for the negative, never finding the positive in a situation. Mm. And they, it sounds so banal, really, but things like gratitude journals or making a gratitude list, those things really and truly work. Like if you just sit down and you say, you know, it's, it's a Monday, and I am going to, for the next four weeks, I'm going to write down every single day three things that I am grateful for today. And it could be something really simple, like I picked the right line at CVS, or it could be something really major, like I am so glad that I have a husband who brings me a cup of coffee every morning because that's just the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. 
you know, whatever mm. it is, you write down three things, but they have to be three different things every day. So then four Mondays later, you're going to have, um, you know, four weeks worth of stuff. You're going to have almost a hundred items written down. And people say that doing that for a month, they start to spend every day looking for things to put on their list and it makes them change their outlook. Now they're looking for the good in their days instead of the bad in their days. And they say that it becomes a new habit for them and they actually turn a switch and they become naturally grateful people and they love it. And then a lot of people say they do it for other members of their family. Like I've had mothers write about having like a grumpy child and they get the child to start doing it and it turns the child around too. Now, Doc, this goes along, Amy, you're so on point because this goes along with what I said a few podcasts back, Doc. Remember what the challenge was yeah. to write down, to write down these I was going to say the same thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Amy, like Ray just teaches that. Ray, yeah, I, Amy, Ray teaches that all the time. Like he is always saying that. He's like, write it down. Like his greatness became that way because he focused and always wrote it down. So like I was just smiling as you're saying that because I know that's that's Ray teaches that all the time. It's a yeah. life lesson. Yeah, go ahead, Amy, because it's a life lesson that look, I, I always say this, right? It's one thing about typing something in a computer, right? Because you know, you the computer is the new new way. But when you physically write something yourself and you and you see your handwriting that changes the way that you view that so 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 now it becomes a part of who you are amy it's exactly what you're saying it, it becomes a part of how you think it becomes a part of how you look at people how you look at yourself what are you grateful for right and what are you willing to give it's it's, it's such it's so easy Right, that I think people throughout the day forget how easy and simple it really is, but how productive it really can be. You know, like mm, yeah. yeah. And so, you know what else you could do? You could just like write it on any random scrap of paper and throw it in a box and call it like your blessings box or your good things <laughs> box or whatever. Mm. And then at the end of a month, just open up the box and read all the things. And then there's one other thing I was talking to. There's a really great psychologist named Dr. Mike Dow, and I was talking to him about gratitude, and he went one step further. He said, don't only write down that you're grateful for the husband who brings you the cup of coffee in the morning, but also write down what your life would be like without that person. And mm. he said, because that really cements it in. And so we haven't had anybody talking about that in our books, about going that one step further, but that sounds like it could work for people also. Why you're grateful for this thing in your life. Definitely. It's just it, it, the more it's, you, you use the key phrase, the word is habit and it's a behavioral pattern. So if you get in the behavioral pattern of practicing gratitude, then it just it, I, I wrote a story, you know, for you, for the power of gratitude book for the chicken soup. And in that one, I talked about how uh, the things that kind of led to me being able to say thank you every time I open my eyes, even if I'm taking a nap, I wake up as soon as my eyes. It's gratitude. Thank you so much for letting me be alive. Um, it's a habit. And now it's, I, it couldn't, I don't think I could open my eyes without doing that because it's just a habit. So it, this is achievable stuff for everyone out there to start doing this, practicing this habit. Yeah. And which is why, go ahead, Amy, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, there was a really cool story in that gratitude book, the power of gratitude book. And, um, there was this lady who had two kids with special needs. 
Her husband dumped her. She lost her job. She lost her home. She, it was just, her life was a disaster. She had like no money, no home, two special needs kids. But somehow she muddled through and a lot of people helped her out. And then they kind of bottomed out and then they were back rising up again. And, and she talked to her two kids about the horrendous year or two they had been through. And she said, let's have a gratitude party. Let's have a party and thank everybody who helped us while we went through that awful time. And so they started writing down all the people who had helped them. So they had a party, and it might have been that they invited the mailman, and they invited the person at the gas station, and they invited like a teacher and somebody more obvious. And then they started doing it annually. And so they now go through, they go through every year watching for people who they're going to invite to their annual gratitude party. So imagine the change in attitude for her and her two children going through the entire year creating a guest list for their annual gratitude party. What a what a rosy way to view life because mm. you're looking every day for people who have helped you. Mm, definitely. See and, and this is why I want to I want to I want to just switch gears to stay right where we are, right? Because there's something else you speak about and 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 I and I and, and I gave a I gave a, I spoke at uh, T.D. Jake's church <clears throat> about a year ago. And something that you spoke about, Amy, in your book, it says making a habit of stepping outside of your comfort zone. And these things that you're talking about, the, the simple things, the writing and, 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 and just making sure you just jot down and throw them in any book. I, I, I do the same thing all the time. I don't care what I write on. I write on a napkin. I write on a pillowcase. It don't matter. I write on anything. Right. But the, the point is, is that I truly believe and, and I said this and this is what the title of mine was, that if you never step outside of your comfort zone, greatness is found outside of your of your comfort zone. But if you never step outside of it, you will never ever see it. I would love to discuss what what where you wanted to take people when you said make a habit of stepping outside your comfort zone. I am such a huge proponent of stepping outside your comfort zone and in fact we're uh, collecting stories now for a book we're going to put out in fall 2017 that's called Step Outside Your Comfort Zone but we get a lot of stories about it and it's one of my it's one of my big habits is to constantly force myself to do things I'm not comfortable with and it can be something super simple like mm -hmm. like okay I thought I hated avocados so then I just forced myself to start eating avocados and now I have avocado toast and avocado in my salad and I'm having avocado all over the place. So that's a really simple, inconsequential thing, except it still makes you feel a little more alive when you try something new. But then I did something huge. In November, I went uh, paragliding in Oman. And I mean, I get scared on the Dumbo ride at Disney World, okay, which like mm -hmm. two-year-olds are going on. So for me to jump off a cliff in Oman a thousand foot cliff where we're okay. Here were the directions. Like you must run off the cliff because if you don't run, it won't work. So the wow. only way to make the paraglide, I, I thought I was going up for like hang gliding, you know, where there's like a fixed wing thing. And that sounded pretty safe because I would never jump out of an airplane with a parachute, which is flimsy fabric with a million strings coming out of it. And I went up to the top of the cliff and there was this fabric. They're putting me in the in this halter thing, and I turn around and I look, and there's fabric lying on the ground with a million strings coming out of it. And that was when I realized, 
oh, paragliding, that's parachute. What an idiot I am. And the next thing <laughs> I know, they're like, you must run off the cliff. That's the most important thing. You, you cannot stop. You must run without stopping because that's the only way the parachute material is going to fill with air and keep you from plummeting to your death. And then they put um, a helmet on me like that's going to help if you climb it <laughs> off the cliff. I guess it helps them identify who you are. <laughs> so, anyway, so I did it. I did it. I, I ran off the cliff without stopping. I paraglided for 15 minutes and finally landed safely on the beach. Um, and I was very proud of myself for doing it. I never have to do it again. <laughs> but, but you know what? It makes you feel younger, more vital. It makes you proud of yourself when you step outside your comfort zone. And it tells you that you can... Do other things that you're afraid of. It enlivens your courage. It enlivens the courage that's inside of you. I love that line. You have to run off the cliff. That's you would have had you would have had to put a lion behind me to get me off that cliff. <laughs> well, you know what I did. Okay, here's what actually. Here's what happened. I was supposed to go to this place in Oman um, in March of 2017, and like three hours before our flight was taking off, we got um, a call from this hotel we were going to in Dubai, and they said, uh, you can't come because we've been flooded out. And, and I was like, excuse me? Aren't you in the desert in Dubai? They said, yes, but we're flooded out. Um, you can't drive here. There's two feet of water. I said, wait, Dubai, Saudi Arabian desert. Well, they had had 12 inches of rain in like a few hours, and normally they don't get 12 inches of rain in a whole year. And they were like water skiing down the main boulevard in Dubai. And so we got rained out of our trip uh, to Dubai. And therefore, we didn't go to Oman either, which is next to, Oba next to Dubai. So I had signed up for this paragliding like a couple of days before we were supposed to leave on our trip. Because I figured I won't have time to think about it. I'm going to sign up. I'm going to do it. And then I had eight months to think about it because we rescheduled the trip for eight months later. So what I did was I wrote it into the Simply Happy book. I wrote in the Simply Happy book that I was going to jump off the cliff in Oman. And the book came out in October, and I jumped off the cliff in November, and I had to because it was in the book. Mm. Right? Because accountability is another thing I really like. Tell somebody you're going to do something because then you're going to be forced to do it. See, but 100%. that's the thing. But 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 it, but but it's the same thing that that we're speaking about about coming out of your comfort zone. Listen, I I truly believe this, Amy, <clears throat> that most of us most of us stay stuck once we find a, a, our comfortability. Right, we stay stuck right there, and we won't move unless something crazy happens in our lives to make us move. And, and and the only problem with that is when you when you are when you are limited to your surroundings, when you are limited to the things that you know, you know, you speak about this going farther down. So that's why I'm kind of transitioning into this next thing, because if you never come out of your comfort zone, most of the times you must pay attention to why you need to eliminate toxic people from your life. Right. Because your comfort zone most of the times is stuck. And most of the times when you're stuck there, you're stuck there because you're around just bad people. And and, and, and listen, I'm, I want to make sure I'm clear. It's not necessarily that they're bad people, but they can be toxic people for where you're trying to go. And that's why yeah. I think I wanted to transition from from coming from your comfort zone, because when you never step out of it, you find yourself around these toxic people, these toxic people that you speak about, Amy, in your book. Oh, yeah. And, you know, getting rid of the toxic people in your life 
It's hard. I mean, I think we've all had so-called friends who we kept for years, even though we didn't enjoy seeing them, and we complained like, oh, I got to go see so-and-so. But friends are supposed to be optional, right? Like, you're stuck with your relatives, but you're not stuck with your friends. And if a friend really isn't adding value to your life and you're seeing them out of some sense of obligation, you don't have to keep doing that, especially if the friend is more like a frenemy, which I don't know if you guys even know what a frenemy is. I didn't know what a frenemy was until a few years ago because I wasn't watching Lindsay Lohan movies. But, you know, those passive-aggressive people who say they're your friends and then they're bad-mouthing you behind your back? Right, right, right. That's a frenemy. Those people just sap your emotional energy. And I'm now at a point in my life where I don't have a single toxic person in my life. Not a single one. And so liberating. It was the number one thing, and 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 you said something interesting, Amy. It was the number one thing, and it was the hardest thing for me to do was get those type of people away from me, because you don't right because you think they're a friend, and you don't want to hurt their feelings, and you don't want to say get away from me. You don't know how to exactly say it, but now that I where where I am now, I sit back and say to myself all the time. Why did you leave that those type of people around you so long? I mean, my goodness, they, they, I, I knew they wasn't going where I was going. I, I, I knew they couldn't help me going where I was, where I was trying to get. So why did I keep those people around me so long? And I'm telling you, I think so many people going back to what we spoke about the comfort zone. So many people are so just comfortable with it just being exactly the way it is instead of stepping up and saying, you know what. Not that you're a bad person, but me and you are not headed in the same direction. So it's time that you go your way and I go my way. It took me a while to get to be a man before I had to, before I was able to make those decisions. Yeah. Well, well, well especially you, I, for you, Ray, because you really you came from a background where you became super, super successful, and then all these people wanted to just hang on to you and go all you know keep staying with you. You needed to shed some of those people hanging on to you. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 and they hurt me bad. Go ahead, Doc. Go ahead. Well, and and I think Ray, you you really hit the nail on the head in saying that it's not that the people are bad because I, I I always struggle with even saying people are bad, even though the work I do specialize in working with people convicted of violent crimes. What I tell people, I tell guys all the time because they'll say, "Well, I'm not gonna. They're, they're not bad. Those are the people I grew up with. That's my hood." And I say, "Listen." They, they're not bad, but they, you don't mix with them. Like Windex is great for washing your windows and water is great to drink, but don't put your Windex in your water and then drink it because it's not good together. That combination just isn't good together. And sometimes people are in the places in their lives where they're not good for you to be around. It's just toxic for you. And I think that's important for people to hear. Mm. Mm, Doc, I ain't never heard the Windex and water put together. I just made it up right now, so that's why that's a brand new one. (laughs) Doc, you rough. That's a brand new one. Hey, listen, you think about Windex and water, we're going to take a real quick break, and we'll be right back after this. The Tackling Life podcast is now taking your calls. If you have questions or comments for us, just call 646-762-4432 and leave us a message. We might even play it on the show, so that's 646 Seven six two four four three two. So you can also well message us through our website, tacklinglifepodcast.com. Again, if you want to call in, the number is six four six seven six two 
888-346-4432. Okay, we're back, and we're talking with Amy Newmark, and uh, this is her new book, Simply Happy. She distills the wisdom of all of this, this, this kind of a culmination of all of these books she's put together through the years. So what is it that, that really, when, when did the idea come to you to say, hey, this is what I want to do to put together Simply Happy? A lot of people were talking to me about how I seemed, um, well, this is kind of embarrassing. They said, you're so much nicer now. <laughs> so, okay, I guess there's always room to get nicer. I'm not sure what I was before, but I, I did work on Wall Street, so maybe I was, like, really tough. I don't know. I guess I'm softer and fluffier now than I was when I was on Wall Street. But they said that I was so filled with great ideas, and I realized I really had learned so much from these thousands of people who have written stories for us, who I'm really grateful for. I love the people who write their stories for us, all that selfless sharing that they do. And so I started making a list of like the key things I had learned, and then I realized I had a book. And so I sat down, and it was really, really hard, but I sat down and took the time out of our normal schedule and created this book last spring and summer, and I'm really pleased with it. I actually keep referring to it myself now, and I've been through some tough stuff since the book came out. Um, my mother passed away in January, and it was I'm not expected. Yeah, sorry thank you. It wasn't expected at all, and now we're dealing with my father, who's 88, and you know, has the forgetfulness and confusion that you would expect at age 88. And so mm -hmm. I've been using so much that I, I, I've been, I've been using the book and my husband keeps saying to me, go read your book. You know, whenever I'm like lamenting <laughs> my fate or, or my father calls me five times in five minutes, that kind of thing. He says, go read your book. So <laughs> I keep turning back to my book to reteach myself all of the things that I've learned from tens of thousands of chicken soup for the soul stories. And it's definitely helped me a lot. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I, I, I want to take something. I want to take another thing from your book. I, I, I tell you, so a lot of times me and doc is on this podcast and, and since we've been talking to each other, just a lot of things that we discuss and, and I, I, I'm reading your topics and I'm like, wait a minute, did, is she listening to me or, or just weird? Or we <laughs> same page with a lot of these things. <laughs> But I would love for you to to really uh, to really kind of uh, give us what you was where you were trying to take people when you said using the power of no to take time for what matters. Mm. Well, yeah, you guys are extraordinarily busy, just like I am, and of course we're really nice people, and we really try to help people, and we're always. I think that our our inclination is always to say yes, right? If somebody asks mm -hmm. us something, the first thing that our first inclination is to be like, okay, I'm going to help this person. I'm going to say yes. And then we have to stop ourselves and say, wait, can I do that? Or will my head explode? Or if I do that, <laughs> will I be taking time away from my family? Or will I be giving up some other thing? Or will I be giving up that hour that I really, really needed for my sanity to exercise today? Mm -hmm. And so it's, I think it's it's the same thing as getting rid of the toxic people. You have to force yourself to do it. And then once you do it, you realize, oh, the world did not spin off its axis when I did that. And I think the power of no, we get so many stories from people, um, especially women, who had so much trouble saying no. And we're saying yes to everybody who asked them for help. 
and even a spouse trying to put things on their schedule that they really didn't want to do. And then they finally get up their courage to say no, always using an honest excuse, not making up lies, but saying the truth. Like, no, I cannot come and help you out at your fundraiser because on Thursday nights, it could be something really simple. On Thursday nights, I go to my son's piano lesson with him, or or I need I read I read I spend an hour reading every Thursday night or whatever it is. Just be honest and say I can't do it because my head will explode. And if you declutter your calendar, it's not just for me time, but you end up making room for what matters to you more. And I know with charity stuff, people will always ask me, like they ask me for free books all the time, and I say I can't do that because you know we have to make payroll. But look, we we give a lot to charity. I'm sure you guys get asked to do charity stuff all the time, mm-hmm. and you have to say no because I already am doing X for this other charity that really that's my key charity that I work for. But whatever it is, we have to learn how to say no. And once you jump off the diving board, you discover it's not that difficult. You know what? I, I uh, it's, it's two little quick short stories, Doc. That's really interesting, right? <clears throat> Because the 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 Ravens owner Steve Bashadi, real good friends, really really close friends, and he said to me one time, he said, "You know your biggest problem," and I said, "What's that?" He said, "You don't know how to say no," and I said, "Wow," he said, "That's that's Ray. I'm telling you, that's your biggest mm-hmm. problem." And then the the second quick story was, you know, I was doing this speaking, and this kid was doing whatever in front of his parents and and I went to his parents and I grabbed them you know quietly but about five or six other parents came over and I said and and one of the parents said well Ray what what can we do like what's the what's the biggest thing you do and I said say no to your kids more often than you say yes Mm. and I guarantee you you will appreciate what they learn by you saying no Instead of you saying yes, mm. it, they will. They may not appreciate it right then, Amy, but there will be something in their head clicks years later that they say, that's why my daddy said no. That's mm-hmm. why my mother said no. And that's why I wanted to really hit on that, because you said using the power of no to take the time for what matters. See, I don't think. We understand that that when someone says no, right, they're like, oh, my gosh, the door is closed and that's it, right? It may be for certain situations, but if you're doing it to make sure you do it to, to for where you can create time for what matters, i give you the prime example. This people walk up to me all the time when I'm with my kids and they say to me, oh, would you please take a picture? Can you please? And I say, no, absolutely not. I would love to shake your hand, but I'm not going to take this moment from being with my son and walking my son after a disappointing loss to sign an autograph for you. It will not Mm. happen. And that's Mm. where I think, you know, you have to you have to be okay with saying no, because what really matters is the only thing that will keep your motivation going every day. Mm. Well, I want to jump on that real real quickly because that is that's such a powerful lesson I hope people hear because you can't be all you can't do everything for everyone and it's interesting because the other day um I was in traffic and this I thought well this analogy can work sometime and I can't believe it this is the spot where it's going to work but I was letting people come in you know to get into yield onto the road there was traffic and I thought 
at another point, I couldn't let someone else in because there are people behind me. And the thought came to me, what an interesting experience because the car that's coming up that does sees that I'm not letting them in got angry and beeped or whatever, but I had just let two people in. And, and I smiled to myself and I thought, you know, this is a great analogy of life because you can't take on everything. You can't, you have to say no at some points and you have to let go and realize that not everybody will understand at the time. And that's okay because you understand that your intentions are right. Um, and that's why I love that story, Ray, with what you just taught, because when you're saying, you, listen, you were saying yes to family well, by saying no to them, saying yes to family. And we can't be all things to all people at all times. So it's mm-hmm. really important. Amy, I love that lesson that you're, you're talking about. Yeah. And, and I think you're right also that using no with children is such a great thing. Like I use no with my children, notably regarding television and you should hear them both now. They're not going to, they're both like, I'm not letting my kids watch television. I mean, they both, they both think it was the greatest thing that they weren't allowed to watch television. I mean, they had very limited TV rights. I actually had a system with them for all of, all of those privileges like television where I gave them coupons at the beginning of every year at Christmas time. I would give them coupons and they got coupons for like, oh, 12 hours of television on a school night and they had to use those over a year. So they got 12 hours of TV on a school night over an entire year. And they would, you know, and I, they would have an absolute yes if they handed me a coupon for an hour of television. And so they would budget their time out over the entire year and use up their 12 hours over an entire year. And they had the same thing for getting a candy bar at CVS or drinking a soda or whatever the privilege was and they got coupons and then over the year they had to budget out those privileges. There was no fighting. They felt totally in control of their privileges and and they were happy and yet I know they watched way less television, drank way less soda than if I hadn't had my coupon system. Mm. See, that's the, see, that's where I, <clears throat> look, Everybody who's listening, I think you, you, you must understand, you know, what Amy is saying and, and what we're all saying is that no, no gives you the freedom to really react and, and, and spend time with the things that really matter. Um, man, I get pulled in so many ways and I listen to people say, oh, oh, he never comes here. He never comes there. And I say, if I never came there, then imagine the people that I do actually speak to. Imagine the people I do actually meet. So you can never use the word never, but I think you have to, you know, so, but you, you, you have to be careful when, you know, you get to start listening to these people to, to, to always say what you're not doing. It's not what I'm not doing. It's what you don't know that I'm doing. It's, 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 it's like what the no is for, right? I tell my, I tell my son the other day and it's craziest thing ever, right? He has a freaking closet full of shoes, you know? And he calls him and he says, well, dad, um, well, thank you for the shoes and everything was cool. And I was like, okay. And I knew it was something leading, leading into it. So I'm like, okay, son. So what's going on? Well, yeah, man, those new Stephen Curry's, man. They, you think I can get them? I said, man, they three hundred dollars. I ain't gonna give you no freaking three hundred dollars shoes. I just bought you. I just bought you almost eight to nine pair for less than two hundred dollars, and now you want me to buy? 
and 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 but the point was i'm sitting there saying i'm saying to myself like wow like kids don't think of it from the perspective of look at what look at what what you already have look at what your dad has already did like 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 and i think you know parents now we've we've now become you know friends with our kids i always tell my kids i'm not your friends like don't what's up me don't no no you say hello father hello mother how you doing because that's why i think you know we that's why i think the no becomes so powerful because i remember my mother telling me this and now it's still the reason why i am today my mother said i don't care how what you do in life you always respect your elders yes ma'am is no ma'am Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, sir. Is no, sir. It's simple math. Don't you ever go outside of that. And I looked at her one day and I was like, wow. But I but I live it to this day. Like every time somebody says, like, please don't say ma'am. I said, look, either I say ma'am or I override my mother. And I'm not overriding my mother. Yeah. <laughs> and it circles hey, Ray, back to gratitude. I got an gratitude. idea for you. I gave Tell my me. kids a clothing budget, too. So I really believe in, in like giving them control. So when they were in, you know, like, I guess middle school years, I started this where I gave them a debit card loaded with a certain amount of cash. They got, you know, I reloaded it every six months, and they got a clothing budget. So if my son had gone and spent $300 on sneakers, that would have been his problem. But And then also when my son kept losing his clothes, it was no longer my problem because he had to buy the replacements himself. One time I remember he blew his whole budget in one visit to Ralph Lauren, and then he got home and he realized what he had spent. And I took him back to, he asked me to take him back and he went and returned everything to Ralph Lauren and then mm-hmm. went somewhere else and bought his clothes at a more reasonable place for his budget. And it was so funny, but of course I didn't laugh in front of him. Uh, but putting them on a clothing budget taught them responsibility very young for deciding what was really important to them because now all of a sudden it was their money to spend. It was their budget. And it took all the stress out of clothing shopping because I would just drive them someplace, but then they would go pay themselves up at the cash register. And it completely changed the dynamic with them. Mm. It's, it's, it's so funny. So I started something very similar to that when every one of my children got into like the 10th, once they got to like 15, 16 years old. So I would give every one of them allowance every month. And if you ran through that allowance, I would look at you and say, don't come to me. There's nothing you can talk to me about. There's nothing else you need because you're not you're not understanding the value of having money. You know the value of spending money, but you're not understanding the value of having money because you're spending it so fast. And it's really interesting because out of all of my kids, my middle son, who's at Utah State right now, Rashad, he took the opportunity and every piece of money that I was giving him. He was saving it. And so I didn't know what he was saving it for. And then right before he got ready to go to college, he was like, Dad, would you do me a favor? And I was like, what's the favor? He said, I want to I want to get this car. And so I'm thinking, oh, man, now my son is one. He wants a car, this and that. But he says to me, Amy, he says, to your point, he says that I've saved up almost forty five hundred dollars. I only need seven hundred. And I wow. said to myself. Right. And I said to myself, I said, got it. 
I said, absolutely, I'll help you, baby. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because that's the lesson, right? That I will, I, I'm, here, I'm here to always help you. But if you understand that, Amy, to your point, if you understand that, then guess what? If, if you learn how to manage your own money, then guess what? You always have money. And then you can, then you can, you know, bargain with people to really help you out in certain things. Yeah, great point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great point. And it's a, the lesson kind of ties in with you talking about all these different ways to reduce stress because when you create strong boundaries, when you approach your life with gratitude, your stress does change. So, uh, you know, uh, you don't have to give away all six uh, tips to reduce stress, but I'm guessing those are some of the points that you're making is that is that gratitude, the boundaries, all of that stuff is a healthy lifestyle to help you not be as stressed. Yeah, what are those six easy ways to reduce stress that you're talking about, Amy? All right. The first one is to use your positive thinking, and that is like, let's say, oh, it's back to school, and the mall is is packed, and you have to park like a quarter mile away in the parking lot. Instead of grumbling about it, say, I've been really upset that I didn't get to go for my walk today. Well, at least I get to walk now from the car. You know, Mm -hmm. you find Mm -hmm. something... And then another one, of course, we already talked about is counting your blessings because no matter how stressed, if you know, you're totally stressed. And then if you say to yourself, wait, wait, I'm stressed because I've got four kids and a job, but wait, I love my job. I love my kids. I signed up for all of these things. You start counting your blessings and you say, yeah, I signed up for this crazy lifestyle. So stop complaining. You know, mm-hmm. another tip for reducing stress we also talked about today, which is saying no. And then another tip we didn't talk about, but I have to use this all the time as a book publisher, is don't strive for absolute perfection. Mm. Mm. You know, you can strive for excellence, but perfection, striving for perfection is a losing game. You're never going to be perfect. Nothing. And nothing. Yeah, it's just impossible. And then, of course, Mm -hmm. another tip is to take care of yourself, no matter how busy you are. And then finally, and I do this all the time, is when I'm totally overwhelmed by what I, by what I have to do, which is always, um, I don't go by that old adage about, you know, how like the person should be um, looking at the forest, not the trees. I totally look at the trees. If I look at the forest, which is my entire to-do list, my entire crazy life, I'll go, I'll go nuts. So yeah. I don't look at the forest. I just look at the trees and I take the trees and I turn them into tiny little saplings, you know, mm. and I just do one little task at a time it. and I do as many as I can each day and somehow it will all get done eventually. And so mm. that's how I handle this incredibly stressful life of being a book publisher. Mm. That is so awesome. Doc, look, I know we, I know we run out of time, but I got to get to this because Everything is going on so crazy in the world right now, Amy. I mean, there's fight, fuss, and whatever, whatever. And I, there's this one thing that you say in your book, and I and I need to, I need people to hear this to understand it. Changing your life forever through forgiveness. Mm. Oh yeah, that's so incredibly important. So, so to me, I feel like the two overwhelming things you have to do. One is what we talked about, which is counting your blessings. You can't possibly be happy without that. But the other thing is if you're carrying around, imagine it like as a cloak that you're, you know, this heavy like king's cloak that you've got around your shoulders and it's covered with resentments and insults and hurt. 
you you cannot be happy if you're wearing that heavy cloak, but if you can shrug it off and just like have it fall behind you and you stride forward free and unencumbered, I don't see how you can be happy with if right. you don't forgive people. They didn't do it on purpose. It wasn't really about you. It was a function of their own problems that they said that hurtful thing or did that stupid thing to you. Mm. Mm. I, I really, really love that. I, I just talked to a young man this week who, when I was speaking somewhere, he came up to me afterward and said that his uh, his father was in prison and he's had a difficult time because he's grown up his whole life with his father in prison. And he said, I've had a difficult time kind of letting go and, and, and forgiving. And uh, and that's something that he and I talked about different ways he could start to work on doing that because, as I told him, it's so important to understand that his father did what he did not because he was trying to hurt his son but because he was lost in his own darkness at the time. And uh, that's a powerful message for people to hear. And it comes back all the way to the beginning, Amy, you talking about seeing these stories and becoming less judgmental and understanding that everyone has struggles. We are all lost in the dark at times, which is why it's so important. And Ray and I really believe this, why it's so important to be the light whenever we can. Man, let well, me tell you something. I have a whole chapter. Ahead, I, I'm sorry, I have a whole chapter called It's Not About You. Mm. Mm, because mm. it's not about you and it's not about you oh my gosh wow if Go you're not a narcissist and you think people did those things against you well then of course you're going to be unhappy but i look at all the bad behavior that i see and I, i'm like well it's not about me even mm. if i go to a store and somebody's grumpy right at me well they're not being grumpy to me personally they're just grumpy because something else is going on in their lives exactly oh my gosh so listen the thing that what we're talking about, and I, and I and I want, wow, forgiveness, and this is why I brought this up, Amy. Exactly what we just got through saying, right? My life forever changed the moment that I forgave my father for not being there. I took a, you know, everybody knows my story about my father wasn't in my life and for majority of my life, and I took a six-hour car drive with my father, and I never said a mumbling word. I just listened to everything he said. And when he got done saying it, he said, do you have anything to say? I said, Father, I forgive you for everything you did do or mm. didn't do. All I want you to do is love me from this day forth as your son. My life forever changed because that burden, that heaviness that I had carried for so long that I was always mad, I was always bitter, I was always just just angry at the moment that I, I could never share those moments with him, that I could never come from a football game and and and, and jump in daddy's arms or, or or have him squeeze my head and let me know that I'm still a child. And I but but the moment I forgave my father, I realized why he was closer to me than I thought. He was he's now one of my closest friends Now we ain't spoken in a while, but we, he's he's one of my closest freaking friends because I let go, Amy. And that's yeah. why I wanted to bring that up, because wow. your point in that book is it is so on point. And I'm not telling people because you wrote it in your book. I'm telling people that you wrote it because it's real. And the mm. only way you see life through is if you forgive the people that's hurt you and keep moving, no matter what the situation is. Yeah. So mm. I did, I did a book called the power of forgiveness, 
with Anthony Anderson, and mm-hmm. he related the exact same story. He, his father, he would see him very, very, very occasionally, and he had a stepfather who was great, who he loved, but his his actual father, he hardly ever saw. And then when his father was dying. Anthony finally spent some time with his father and made up with him. And he said it was the first time in his life that he really slept well. It was after he talked mm-hmm. to his father on his father's deathbed and forgave his father, and then his, forgot, his father forgave him for how he had mm-hmm. acted towards his father because of his resentments. But it was the exact same story. Mm-hmm. Because I guess forgiving your parents, I mean, your parents are supposed to be your supporters, the people you can rely on. So if there's anybody who you're going to resent for not performing the way you expect, it's your parents. That's the most important person you could possibly forgive, right, as a parent who Mm. disappointed you in some way because they didn't mean to do it. They were probably sitting there saying, God, I don't know how to be a good parent. I'm just not even going to try. I'm just going to slink away. Yeah, I even think my father for not being in my life when he was living the life that he was living, you know, mm. um, because mm. maybe I wouldn't have been become half of the person I am today if he was around me with the lifestyle that he was living. So I thanked him. I thanked him mm. for that. I said, you know what? Thank you for not coming around me because maybe wow. I wouldn't have pushed so hard. Maybe I wouldn't have went the route I went, right, with, with not understanding everything I had. But now appreciating what I do have now. And that is, I still have you. I still have a point where I can look at my father and regardless of what he didn't do, I look at him every time I see him and say, man, I love you. Like, I love you dearly. And 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 I'm telling you that m- those moments forever change. It made me be a better father. You know, mm-hmm. I, I thought I was a good father, but it made me become a better father when I gave up that pain. Because yeah. my, my, I don't, I don't never think my kids will will ever understand the pain that I've I went through as a child, never having a, a, a man around. Like I tell this, I told his father this the other day. The hardest thing a man will ever endure on this earth is being raised without a father. Mm. And 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 that's what you have to forgive, and and that's what you have to move on. So, I did, I did, Amy, and and that's why I wanted to really point out that in your book because there are so many great points. I know we're winding down, but I just want to make sure people understand what you gave them today because you blessed me today. You're talking about using gratitude to change your relationship, using the power of no to take time for for what matters like making a habit of stepping outside of your comfort zone, changing your life forever through forgiveness, six easy ways to reduce stress, keeping it away, why you need to eliminate toxic people from your life, and why you should strive for excellence and not perfection. That's, 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 take, if, 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 if somebody's listening today, take a few of these things and exercise each and every one of them for yourself personally. And, and I think, you know, you were, Become a fan of Amy Newark's for sure, for, for sure, like I am now. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, this is just simply amazing to hear, you know, people. It's, it's so refreshing to know that there are people that's given this type of advice um, to people who really do, will never hear it. Yeah. 
It really is. Amy, I want to say this too. I, um, I, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I, I feel like we talked about boundaries and if we hadn't had boundaries on our uh, podcast, my goodness, I think we might be talking for 24 hours straight, the three of us, because there are so many things that we could keep going on about this. Uh, so thank you so, so much for coming on, Amy. Well, thanks for having me, guys. You guys give out fabulous advice, and we definitely agree on uh, what people need to do. It's it's really wonderful to hear that all three of us have come to the same conclusions through our different life experiences about what really matters to the people mm. and how we should help them. Yeah, I, you know, I think individually, before we all get off, I think individually, you know, I think we all can all, you know, keep impacting people the way we are. But I think, you know, with the energy that we all have, Doc, Amy, I think you all would agree. I don't know, maybe something down the road um, can be really powerful, you know, for people to be in one room and, 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 and get some of what we're all willing to give away. You know, I think I know I think a lot of people are looking for it. Definitely mm. kids like they're looking to be led. I just think they don't have the right vehicles to lead them anymore. And mm. and these messages are, are messages that if you if you learn them now, they will take you through a lifetime. So, yeah, mm. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Absolutely. Amy, thank Amy. you so much. You're so amazing. You're so oh, amazing. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. You guys are terrific. I love your podcast. I hope uh I hope your listeners will listen to mine and my listeners will listen to yours. We all have we the three of us. We've got we got a couple of great podcasts between us. Definitely. And the, the chicken soup so, uh, for the soul podcast um can be found on iTunes just like ours and also is it chickensoup.podbean.com? Is that correct? Yes, it is. It is and you can also go to our website chicken soup com. You can access the podcast there, and you can also see all the different books we have. And if you want to write for us, you can go to chickensoup.com and find out uh, what kinds of stories we're collecting right now, including those stories about stepping outside your comfort zone. Mm. Mm. I love it. I love it. I've absolutely loved this experience. Definitely hope to have you on again in the future, Amy. Um, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, Ray, always like just some of the stories, even today, I just have to say this uh, out loud. Um, I've heard that story before about you with your dad, but even the way you said it today, it touched me a little deeper. Like I, I, it's really powerful to open up to hear you share about that kind of stuff. So I, I really appreciate both of you and uh, what, what we've got to talk about today, man. This is a blessing to be here with you both. Thank you for downloading the Tackling Life Podcast. For more Tackling Life content, go to TacklingLifePodcast.com. From there, you'll find links to our pages on iTunes, Google Play, and other podcast sites where you can subscribe and get two all-new episodes automatically downloaded every week. There are also links to the Tackling Life Facebook and Twitter pages where you can become a part of the Tackling Life community and give us feedback, questions, ideas, and suggestions. You can also call us at 646 762 4432. That's 646-762-4432. And please help spread the word and bring in new listeners by giving us a rating and review on our iTunes page. The more ratings and reviews we have, the higher our ranking and the easier it is for new people to find the show. Until next time, for Ray Lewis, I'm Dr. Christian Carty. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.
Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.